right. Well, is this not a Molly-looking crew if you ever saw one? We, uh, we've been planning uh, this day for a few months now, and uh, Jeff reminded us that the reason we picked these guys was for their good looks, so I don't know uh, how true that is, but, but it is Father's Day, <laughs> and, uh, and we have some incredible men on stage. I don't know if you were here for Mother's Day, but we just cut the ladies loose. We let them take the service, and we had such a tremendous response. We thought, why not take today and let dads run the service. And so uh, before we jump into the format, I want to just take a a minute and kind of run down the line and let these guys introduce themselves to you and uh, who they are and and their family situation, all that kind of stuff. So take it away. Uh, Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Happy Father's Day to all those fathers out there. Uh, My name is Michael Compton. Um, uh, My family and I have been attending Destiny for about two and a half years now. most of y'all know my loving wife, Amanda. Um, we've been yeah, married yeah. nine years, going on nine years. Um, and um, Leroy, um, who you've seen up here in the music ministry, uh, praising God, and uh, we're so proud of him. And then Ellen and Isaiah, the twins, uh, running around getting treats and candy. And, um, but uh, we, um, you, know, you know, serving capacity, I serve in the, on the ushers team. Uh, we have open slots if any of you men are interested. So uh, please see Dave Underwood uh, if, you're, if you're interested. But, uh, but the bottom line is the message here today is just to share uh, my story um, from things I've learned from my father to um, my journey into fatherhood, into a blended family, and then you know, having children of my own and sort of that dynamic. And just hope that you all are blessed by that message and can take from here um, you know, and apply to your situation. Yeah. Good morning. My name is uh, Doug Gruber, and uh, in terms of serving here at Destiny, I'm on the uh, church uh, security team and run some small groups. Uh, My wife, B and I have been coming here about three years, so I'm going to share a couple of numbers here in the next few sentences. I just want to get this out of the way. (laughs) I'm not 90 years old based on these numbers, okay? So mid-50s, I'm good to go. So here's the numbers. Ready? So we've been married three times. I just celebrated my 15th wedding anniversary. I have five kids. I have six grandkids, and I have two more on the way before February. Wow. Okay? So lots of numbers. That's why I did the age thing right out of the gate. So. And you haven't forgotten your birthday. You're really 50. Yeah, okay. 50-something, yeah. yeah. So, um, and what I want you guys to get out of this today is it's about Jesus. Okay? And uh, some of the things I'm going to share about raising all those numbers, uh, hopefully you'll get an understanding is it's just about Jesus. Yeah. Hey, good morning. Mike Rogers been here for nine years, I think. Jen and I started coming before we were saved. We have four beautiful children, 16, 9, 6, and 3. We just had some birthdays. I serve on the youth ministry. So I've been working with the kids for eight and a half years. Uh, mostly uh, all of your kids probably I've seen at one point in time because I also work back in the kids area, the little kids. So we have kids all over the place. And Jen and I, like I said, we were saved here at this church. We got baptized with our oldest daughter, Hannah, who's actually leading back there right now. And we have a pretty different testimony than a lot of folks that are church folks. So I'm excited to share a little bit about with uh, with you guys. And then uh, you can take pieces and apply to your life, hopefully. Good morning. My name is Jeff Clark, and thank you guys for having us to be able to share our testimony with you. 
Uh, I've already broke a sweat. My stomach's doing flip-flops. So <laughs> hopefully we'll get through. Uh, native Northern Virginia, born, raised in Alexandria. Married my high school sweetheart. We moved out to Western Fairfax. Uh, my son was born in 90. My daughter was born in 92. And we realized it was time to get out of Centerville because it was just getting too many cars and too many people. Came to Western uh, Loudon in Round Hill is where we raised our kids and where we still reside. And uh, that was in 2000 and been going to Destiny Church since then. And um, I serve, uh, I do, uh, I lead a men's small group and um, campus greeters. Normally you'll see me at the front door. And um, that's it. Yeah. And, and you guys, you don't really know how awesome these men are on stage. We, we spent months, as I mentioned, planning this service, and so we wanted to try and, uh, and not only select men who love the Lord and who are leading their families, but, but kind of stepped into fatherhood um, in some pretty unique ways. And so um, what I'd like to do next is, is just kind of uh, start with you, Michael, and each of you share a little bit about your experience as a dad. It didn't necessarily start, um, you know, with the traditional way that maybe some people plan. And, and God's blessed it, and he's, he's done so much through you guys. So, Michael, tell us a little more about how your journey began and where you find yourself. Uh, my journey, um, it started with how I was raised with my father. Um, my father passed in 2014. Uh, he, he was and still is my hero and everything I aspire to be because he was a Christ-centered man, and he built his family through encouragement, through love, um, through fair but firm discipline. Um, and so I had a very excellent example uh, of a earthly father um, to carry forward um, and, and model that after myself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Amanda and I, we started dating in 2006, and we dated for, for two years before we got married. And uh, Leroy was about four at the time. Um, but I knew uh, that in my life, um, things that I talked with my dad about, and I talked about our dating situation and um, and I was acceptance, I was accepted of, of, of both of them. And I knew it was a package deal that uh, when we moved forward to get engaged and get married, that it was a package deal. Um, that it was sort of instant mix, blended family. You add water, and there you go. And, wow. But never did I st- uh, stray away from uh, prayer, uh, through reading the word, um, through talking with my dad um, about how I was feeling. Um, talking with Amanda as well, um, and I know during our uh, our marriage counseling, our pre-marriage counseling before we got married, our our pastor was saying that you know it, with this situation, um, you know I need to work through Amanda. Um, it was difficult at times because I know how I was raised, and um, and I know how uh, God teaches us to love unconditionally, unwavering love, and um, I know that there's times where I've kind of overstepped my bounds. Um, and it was difficult moments. Um, I, I will be upfront about that. But it was done out of love, uh, love of my family. Um, it was done out of what I thought was, was right, what was Christ-like. Um, but I know at times, you know, Amanda and, and, and Lee would, would defer saying that, yeah, you put conditions on it, you know. But, but the <laughs> bottom line is, is, is it, was, it was out of love. And, it, you know, it had its difficult moments. Um, but I just remember back to, to how I was raised in that, um, Proverbs 22, 6 explains it. Start, start children off the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And so that was something I leaned on, because it's out of Proverbs, and Proverbs is much like uh, an, life instruction. 
And so as, I moved, as we moved through and our family grew into uh, Ellen Isaiah being born, um, we just always made sure that we just talked with our kids, um, explained them what was going on, even if it seemed unfair to them. Um, man and I, we've had our challenges in how to raise a blended family, how to treat you know, the kids and make sure that we're not giving preferential treatment. And as a dad, I've made my mistakes um, with, with, with Leroy, and I, and I would be the first one to tell you. But, um, but the love um, and, and the things that I remember from my own father's example um, and prayer, prayer got us through, God got us through, because the foundation of our family is Christ. And when everything else fails, you lean on that. And, and, and in the end, that's, uh, that's all that matters. Oh, that's great. Man, and let me just take a second here and brag on, on Michael. We were out for Saturday Serve yesterday over at the Fields Apartments. And you had your whole crew out there, you and Amanda, all the kids, just interacting with our community, just shining your light. It was amazing to see, man. You're an incredible father. I honor you. Um, Doug, when you married B, I, I, you mentioned three marriages. You had children. It kind of explain that whole situation, how it unfolded. And sure. Uh, so, I married my high school sweetheart, just like Jeff did. Um, I wanted a you know house with a white picket fence, two car garage, uh, a couple of kids, and a dog. Well, that's not how life always works. So, um, you know, fresh out of college, married my high school sweetheart. About six years in, we had uh, my only natural-born son out of the five. And so uh, it didn't work. And then I had a rebound marriage, and then I finally met B. That was life-changing. So um, B had four children at that time, uh, and they were in two age groups. So there was an older two and a younger two. The younger two... Um, their father left them, walked out the door one day, and never came back. So I knew when I met B, if I was going to make a commitment to this, that I was going to have to be committed to this to young children. So um, I did. I made a, a, a serious commitment. I actually uh, hired an attorney and went, and I actually had their birth certificates changed with their permission to have my name as their birth father. It was very emotional. But as time went on, I, we learned that in order to raise a family that was blended, we had to understand each child. And in a blended family, that's very important. And so we learned about this thing called temperament. And for those of you know B, she does Christian counseling. Temperament is how she does it. And we learned exactly how each child is very unique and how we had to minister to each of them. So... That's what we did. Now, along the way, you know, the soccer games, the football games, the softball, whatever, uh, we also learned a, a life lesson there. Why were we doing that? What was the purpose? For some folks out there, it's, well, they got to get through college somehow, so let's see if we can get them a sports scholarship. And I have to tell you, having gone through that, that's not what it's about. For those of you just had college graduates in the last month and now they're home in your basement and with no job, that's not what it's all about. What it's about is pouring into these kids to tell them that with Jesus in their lives and working with God in a community like Destiny, in small groups, they can make it. It's not about that piece of paper. Because 30 years ago, it might have been about that piece of paper and you can get a job fresh out of college. That's not the world we live in anymore. 
So what we decided is we were going to show our real-world situation to these kids every single day. So they saw the good, bad, and the ugly. They saw us get up in the morning and praise God and worship and read the Bible. And then they saw us in the afternoon when there was a bill came that we couldn't pay. So they saw it all, but they understood with Jesus they could get through. So that, that was the big deal for us. Wow. Thank you, Doug. My turn. Hey. So uh, we had a little, little different story than those two guys. Uh, I grew up in a family that was divorced by six, if I remember correctly. So I had two sets of parents, which was interesting. Uh, as you might imagine, some men uh, have confidence issues. I was one of them until I was about 33. So I struggled a lot and made a lot of bad decisions. So that's why I enjoy working with our youth because, um, no offense to Brody, but he's kind of squeaky clean. And I've, I've done stuff that I'm not proud of. I'm, I've, maybe there's other guys in here that have done that as well. But I think I bring a different light to the kids and say, look, this is why you shouldn't make that decision. Or this is what the enemy is trying to do in your life. And so, you know, fast forward to after college, I had no idea what I wanted to do because I couldn't commit to anything. And then I met Jen, and she was 19. I was like 24 because we're five years apart. So I'm my, I'm my 40s, Doug. I'm not 50 like you guys. So, uh, Thanks, so yeah, you're welcome. So Jen and I had a, a very tumultuous uh, upbringing, if you will, in our relationship. We had a child at a wedlock, beautiful gift from God. And he knew what I needed because in that moment she was born, I was changed. I didn't find the Lord then, but I was changed. So interestingly, I've had two really bad car accidents, both of which I probably should have died in. Um, and one thing that I've learned over the course of my time in walking with the Lord now is that even when you're not pursuing him, he is pursuing you. And so that first time I wrecked a car was when I was 16. I was going 110 miles an hour down 66, chasing a GTI, ended up right after 123, face on into a Jersey barrier. Probably shouldn't have lived. But for 1984, that year, that car was best rated and head-on collisions. Um, now 20, right? Good. Yay. Yay life. So th thank you, Porsche. I can't afford one now. But then in 2015, Jen and I were not together. We had Hannah. She was four years old and I had another car accident. In that moment, this is one of two times I actually heard a distinct voice from God. And he said, look, those two girls, Jen and Hannah, are the most important things in your life. Go get them. So a year to the day later, Jen and I got married. The sorry, that was 20, 2005, 2005. So we've been married 11 years, but we got married one year to the day after that accident. Um, so kind of interesting in terms of timing. Uh, but one thing that we know is as we've grown into you know, coming here, and uh, we moved back to Virginia from New Jersey. I'm from here originally, just like Jeff. Did live in Centerville, was a Centerville grad. And so we came back home. And then we ended up in Leesburg next to a very church couple, a very Christian couple, the Casperys, that many of you may know. And one thing we've also learned in our time is that God works through people. So that if you're struggling, if you're going through hard times, if you're going through good times, um, God is going to be messengers to your life, and they are there for a purpose. You might call them angels, you might call them whatever you want to call them, but I know and what I've experienced is that there are no coincidences. So everything in your life I call either a God incidence or a divine appointment. And you may struggle with that or you may refute that, but that's my experience. And as Jeff said before, we all have our testimony and our story. And ours is about redemption. It's about restoration. And one word that Doug said, which is so vitally important to how we've gotten to where we are today, is community. Yeah. And this church, this body of believers is a wonderful community. There are many, many people in here that you should take time to get to know. 
that will build you up, that will encourage you and challenge you and hold you accountable for things that maybe you don't want to talk about. But that's been our experience, and I'll let Jeff talk now. Okay. Good stuff, Mike. Uh, in 1985, uh, Cynthia and I got married, and we made a little pact when we got married. We said, you know what, we're going to wait five years before we start a family. We're going to pick up, go camping, go fishing, take the dog, do our thing. Uh, in 1990, um, we celebrated our fifth, or no, 1990, my son was born, and then two weeks later, we celebrated our fifth anniversary. So my wife is very organized, very, you know. <laughs> Everything is methodical, plotted out. I just go along for the ride. Um, so Austin's born, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't want to mess him up, uh, because unlike Michael, my role model was, was not the greatest. Uh, my dad says for every day, every day for 20 years, he was drunk. So I was born in alcoholism, and that's all I knew. And living under a roof of alcoholism, or, uh, it, it brings all kinds of stuff, uh, lots of stuff to deal with. Um, but for the record, um, I'm not going to sit here and daddy bash, because God has done some amazing things in my life and has brought me through phases uh, with the relationship with my dad. The first phase is I just had to recognize and come to grips that he was my dad because for so many years I didn't want him as my dad. And then two, I came to, the next phase God was just accepting and then forgiveness. And now I'm in a phase to where I'm seeing things that he really you know, influenced my life and I'm in a phase now to where there's thankfulness. Um, can I sit here and look at you and say I love him? No, not yet. But I'm getting there. God has truly taken me to a place, and I'm, I'm knocking on his door. I'm, I'm really close. Um, but through that, what I experienced was my dad was there physically all the time. Probably been better off if he what. Um, but emotionally, spiritually, but. He, uh, let me back up real quick. In, in 75, my dad and my whole family came to accept Jesus. And we got baptized together on a Sunday night as a whole family as well. Um, but what happened within the family is kind of like we shut that door and we locked it. And then we walked into another room and just never dealt with anything. So we just lived the rest of our lives with all of that mess and never dealt with it. And... Jeff, as he got older and started having kids, was a walking time bomb because I just had all this anger and hatred and anxiousness and all this stuff inside of me, and I was ready to blow any minute, and then I did. <laughs> but um, what I learned through that was my role model, you know, wasn't the greatest due to the fact that, you know, I... The big thing for me, I, I love sports, and, and if there's a ball involved, I was involved. And so I would go to my dad and say, hey, let's play catch. And he never would. Never once played catch with me. Uh, went all through high school, pitched. I was a pitcher. He came to one game my senior year and stood in the back there. And, and I don't know if you watched. But, but that, so that, you know, growing up with that just really 
just influenced me in a way that it, it hurt. It just really hurt because I just wanted to engage and have a relationship. So when I'm looking at Austin and then Morgan's born in 92 and come, I, I made a point that I was going to be involved. I was going to be engaged. I was going to be available. May not be the greatest dad. I know I made a lot of mistakes and said some stupid stuff. Austin and Morgan, I'm sorry. Um, but I knew I was going to be there. There's a dance recital, there's a guitar recital, there's a baseball game, there's a basketball game, there's a volleyball game. I'm there. Uh, to the point in 96, uh, in my career, uh, I was doing very, very well uh, financially. But I would leave in the morning, they were in bed, I would come home, they were in bed. And that was six days a week. And so the money was there, the lifestyle was there, but the relationship was not. And Cynthia and I are very close, got a great relationship, but through that lifestyle and through that, you know, just, I probably got addictive qualities as well, um, as my dad, um, just working all the time, um, we were drifting apart. So I, I, I went into my boss's office on a Thursday and gave him a piece of paper and said, I quit. And I said, I'm working Saturday. I'm going to hire two guys and screen them and all that. And that's the last thing I'm going to do. And I walked out the door. And I took a whole year off just to get reacquainted and then uh, bopped around doing different stuff. But the beauty, God was there through it all. We never missed a meal, never, you know, I mean, he always provided for us. But I, I, what I, my story or my message here is, is that I, I realized and what I had learned. And to dads, I just, I, I give you this message is that be available. Be there. If you got to make a sacrifice, if you got to lose a sales deal to be someplace with your kids, lose a sales deal. It's worth it. Because if they know that you're there and things are good at home and, you know, they see mom and dad in the kitchen playing, you know, you know, patty cake, <laughs> they, they, know that that's, they know that that's good. And, and that creates... And, and that creates, you know, a foundation that just creates to them that, you know, everything at home is, is good. And so, the, so what I had learned is that that was just extremely important to me is to always be there. And um, probably to their chagrin, they couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> but, um, but that's what I learned was to be available, to be in their corner. Uh, that doesn't mean they get everything they want. That doesn't mean that... You know, it's, you know, I'm the candy man or, you know, it's, you know, there are consequences to be paid when you mess up, but I will be there with you. And if you mess up, we'll hold hands and we'll pray about it and we'll gut it out, but we'll get through it together. So that's, that's kind of my fatherhood experience. Jeff, I think it either lays the foundation or, or scars them for life for the patty cake. I'm not sure, but <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure what you're saying there. Um... <laughs> All right. Hey, bef we have. Uh... Oh man, that's scary. That's scary. I got enough food. You know, one thing, uh, if you're as you're listening, you know, as I am, uh, one thing I'm noticing, and it's kind of cool how we've had this theme running from through the whole service, even from worship, with the last song of the band sing there. You know, talking about how, how, how God. If there were a hundred sheep and one drifted away, he would leave the 99 for that one. And it's pretty incredible how you as dads have pursued your children, have pursued what it means to be a father. And, and you know, as we've, we met on Thursday and kind of talked through some of these uh, things that we were going to share, and, and we've been praying, and, 
And, and even Brody mentioned at the beginning of the service, we have people coming into this room, uh, you know, who've had different experiences with their dad, uh, good, bad, ugly, painful, uh, incredible, maybe even, didn't even have that relationship. But the one thing that I just keep, keeps coming back to my mind today is how we do have a father who loves us. At the end of the day, there are no excuses for the hand that we've been dealt. And we have a God who, even in this moment, may be pursuing some of you in this room. Your, your heart's about to be out of your chest. You have no clue why. And, and it's because God is here today and he's pursuing you with, the, with an unrelenting, reckless love. He, he would turn heaven upside down. In fact, he did. He sent Jesus to pursue you. And so I, I want to just kind of set this up because we're sort of in the middle of this series, My Big Fat Mouth. It's about the words that we use, the words that we say, and how they can bring life or they can cause damage. And um, whether you're a dad, it's very important the words you use. If you're a mom, if, it doesn't really matter the role that you play. Our words are important. But as dads, I thought the way that we would wrap up today is just to go, go down uh, through each guy. And, and if you had one thought or one encouragement or one challenge that you could just look into this room and, and give to moms, dads, children, whoever it may be, what's one word that you would give us today, Michael, that would, that would just be a life-giving moment for us? Sure, sure. Uh, my message would be, would be based on two, two uh, scriptures. Uh, Romans ten seventeen: faith comes through hearing, hearing by the word of God. And also Deuteronomy 11, 18, 19. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them to your foreheads. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. My direct message is to fathers, um, to children, is that pray and meditate uh, on how God can further bless you and your family through growth in your uh, in your spiritual leadership, um, as well as your individual relationships with God. Um, kids, pray for your fathers who, uh, or, or, or mentors that, that you see as important, um, that help guide you. Um, and, and, and as fathers, we have such an important role. We have to set that spiritual tone in our family. We have to, we have to act as uh, equal to our words because that holds weight with our children, whether they're our adopted children, or there are biological children, and also to the kids that we mentor, because mentorship is so important that once you get your spiritual house in order and you can step out and mentor your children as well as mentor other kids in the community, um, like for instance, with Saturday Serve, we were out there mentoring youth. That's impactful. Um, I, 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 from what I understand, there's, there's likely a few of them in the house today from what we heard yesterday. And just by that, seeing examples uh, is important. So I challenge you men to, to uh, and I encourage you to, when you're praying and meditating, um, ask God to challenge your comfort zone. Um, you know, because it's easy to say, you know, I feel okay, I think everything's all right, when you, when you know you can do better. Ask God to empower you and give you strength, because our Heavenly Father, when He moves, He moves. And, and, and sometimes He presents blessings in the form of challenges. Um, because, and if you need help, there are there are a ton of great men in this church. Since I've been getting involved slowly but surely, I mean, alongside me are the men up here, uh, Dave Underwood with the Ushers, Xavier Walker, Brad Paul, uh, just a few of the men that, that I have built relationships with, uh, uh, Greg Gordon to be another one, just a few men that have their own stories, and you can be blessed through that. 
So pray to God. Pray that he blesses you through challenges as well as, 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 as help you move forward in your spiritual growth because our relationship with him is everything. So I challenge you and encourage you today. Awesome. Okay, so today um, our adult children are ages 22 to 36. And uh, so you would think we're kind of done with raising the kids. Well, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will set your path straight. Well, as parents now of adult children, that's very important now again. It's important to set an example. It's important to learn to listen. You know, with a blended family, um, this is one of the key things I want to leave you with. You don't have a lot of chances in terms of your actions and your words. With a blended family especially, your actions and your words, they need to line up. You can't say something and do another. They have to be the same. And so as a father and now as a grandfather, that's something that I constantly go through when I say something and when I do something. Are these things lining up? Because if you break your connection between those two things and your actions don't line up with your words, you break the trust. And with a blended family, I'm, I'm sorry, but that takes the love bucket from the top to the bottom. It's not a little bit. It's from the top to the bottom. And so you, my encouragement to you today as a father and as a grandfather is that make your actions and your words line up. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, we got a little different story. So uh, we had three kids. The last three after we finally got married, uh, it took me eight years to propose to my wife, Jen, which she'll gladly tell you that story. But uh, so... As I said before, I struggled with confidence, so I, I did not embrace my role as a spiritual leader, or really as a leader. I didn't see myself as a leader for a long, long time. Uh, but men, all of you, each and every one of you are called to be leaders in your home. That's the exhortation from God. So one, embrace that. And two, I would encourage you to be intentional. So one of my favorite scriptures is John chapter 3, verse 30. He must become greater, and I must become less. And that takes effort. It takes initiative. It takes me sacrificing what I want to do to be in the Word, to watch sermons, to read devotions, to have fellowship with men like these guys so that I can be better, so that I can lead Jen, so that I can lead my kids. Because if I don't spend the time doing that, what are they going to get it from? They're going to get it from TV? I mean, if you work out at all or if you do anything and you want to be good at it, it takes practice. Now, if you think about what you eat, you don't eat bad stuff, you feel bad. So if I'm feeding myself positive stuff that's God- breathe and God-driven, then I'm only going to rise above what's going on in our society. So guys, embrace it. And, and also in your home, be a servant leader. Jesus came to us to serve us. We have to then serve our wives. Pick up the vacuum cleaner when, she, when you're not asked. Go clean a bathroom. All the women said amen, right? Right? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it's, it's a small thing, but you will not believe how big a difference it can make. You could play patty cake. After you clean a bathroom. I'm just saying. So the younger kids in the room, be careful. Uh, but the other thing, too, that, that we found, and it's a, dangerous, it's a dangerous thing to pray for God's will. Uh, but there's so much power there. So if you pray, as Doug, you know, all, all of us would say, you have to pray. 
Um, but it, when you pray for God's will, be careful because you don't know where he's going to take you. And we have recently been blessed with a young lady that's sitting right down here. She's 16 years old. She's come into our lives and rocked our world. And she is a blessing to us. And we have the chance to bless her through what we can provide in terms of shelter, in terms of stability. We don't have a whole lot of financial resources, but we're willing to share what we have. Um, and as I said before, it's about community. So live outside of your comfort zone, as I think Michael said, um, and let God work through you. Um, that's my encouragement to you, but be intentional. Put the phone down, put your job down, put whatever you need to do down and give your kids and your family and your wife your full attention. And then you will be blessed. Amen, bro. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's about couple, three, four years ago, there was a group of men that went to a men's conference at McLean Bible, Randy Barrett and Ernie, and there's a handful of us that went. And um, when we were there, it, they used us, the theme was a scripture out of Second Corinthians. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all you do be done in love. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, we've read scripture before, but there's certain times where God just takes his word and just comes alive and he just like tattoos it right on your brain. And he did that with that verse and he just branded it in my heart. And it's become my, my motto to, to live by. But j just be watchful. I mean, that'll preach all day long. Just, just a man walking in a room at home or at work or in here. Be watchful, which means you got to take your eyes off yourself. You got to put them on, on other people. And... With that, what God gave me, this, my one word, is responsibility. It's extremely, extremely important, and my message to all men is take responsibility. It's huge. I really believe with all my heart, if all of us, and I'm talking to me first, number one, I'm looking in the mirror, if we truly take responsibility for the things that we're in charge of, we'll flip this world upside down. There's no question about it. I went through a time period in my life where, and I think it was probably just because of insecurities or maybe I just was lack of manhood. And so I was just so quick to, to play the blame game, uh, make excuse, uh, tell a lie, uh, run a scheme just to try to save face and was too quick to take my wife and throw her under the bus. And, and I've learned God has taught me to be a true man, a Joseph kind of man, a Daniel kind of man, a Kevin Murray, a Thurman Clark kind of man. To stand up and to truly take responsibility for my actions and for the things that I need to take responsibility for. Don't blame it on my son. Don't take my wife and throw her under the bus, but it's on me. And if there's things that she's dealing with or things that Morgan's dealing with, for me to be a man with a backbone and say, hey, babes, I got this. I'll take care of this. Um, that's what real men do. And that's, that's my message is take responsibility. Don't run a game. Because you'll lose that game. Well, you men are amazing. And we have a room full of incredible men. And so I just want to say, yeah. As we sort of wind down today, uh, many of you in our program or in different places of the building, including this wall, can see our, our vision on the wall here and to know God and find freedom. And, 
And I just have two quick things um, before Brody comes and prays for us. And that is, if you're in the room, whether you're a, a, a young man or you're a father or a wife, or it doesn't matter, everybody in the room, the two things that all of us need in life to succeed and really figure out what it's truly all about is a relationship with God through Jesus and people in our life who can encourage us, hold us accountable. We need community. And as, as all of them have mentioned multiple, multiple times today, here in just a minute, we're going to give you an opportunity, if you haven't already, to step into a true, authentic relationship with Jesus. And then we want to just invite you to plug in to community. It doesn't have to, to look like what you think that means and, and checking boxes of church attendance and different functions. We just want to invite you into friendship. And that's what I think all of us have found here in this church is we have people in our life who love us, who care about us, who walk alongside us, who kick our butt when we need it, who pat us on the back, but who will point us towards Christ. And so I want to just leave you with two things, and that is today, take the opportunity to, to answer that call that might be happening even in this moment, to respond to what God's doing in your life by saying, God, I'm going to give you control. And then secondly, to plug into community. So let's just give it up for these men one more time. They've done an amazing job. Thank you guys so much. That was so good. Uh, I think the theme that we saw there is that uh, great fatherhood and really anything in life can't be done without the power of Jesus. Uh, a lot of times what happens is, is as dads, as, as men, you think, man, I'm going to take the weight of my family and put it on my shoulders. I'm going to build this family on my strength. And uh, the thing is, like anything else in life, you are not strong enough. You're not strong enough. You can't do it. And that might sound depressing, but the thing is that God has given you strength in Jesus. What it says is that, that our, uh, God is made strong in our weaknesses. So when you say, man, I cannot do this on my own. I need the power of Jesus. I need supernatural strength, supernatural patience, supernatural leadership. And, and you cannot do it on your own. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. There's this parable that, that Jesus gives in the Bible that's one of my favorites. And it has so much to do with, with being a father, but, but so much to do with our relationship with God. And uh, we read this passage this last week um, at the Drop Summer Kickoff, our youth event. And it's the, the, the story of the prodigal son. And if you haven't heard this story, it's this, the story that, that Jesus tells. It's this, this parable of this, this guy that goes to his dad and says, hey, I want my inheritance now. Basically, you're as good as dead to me. Give me my money. I don't care about you. I'm just going to go out. I'm going to party. So this dad gives the son his share of the inheritance. And the son goes out, has parties. He, he, he spends it on prostitutes, on, on basically all, all the kind of stuff that you would think, man, that is the worst route you can go. And it says that there's a famine, and he ends up in a pig pen working with the pigs, thinking, man, even these pigs have something to eat, and here I am, so hungry. And it says this in Luke 15, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. 
I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. So imagine this. He had basically said to his dad, you're as good as dead to me. I want your money. That's, that's all you're good to me. He goes off. He spends all this money and he is coming home saying, okay, maybe I can be a servant. Imagine what's going on in his head thinking, is my dad going to hate me? Is he going to scream at me? What, what's going to happen? And it says this, while he was a, still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Man, what I love about that story is that the the father, it says he saw him far off. He was waiting for him to come home. He wasn't waiting to to, to say, man, you messed up. Look at you coming back. He, He was just so glad that his son was home. And the son, what he thought is, maybe I can work enough. Maybe I can be good enough. Maybe I can be a good enough servant to where finally my dad will look to me and say, okay, your sins are forgiven. You're my son again. But no, the father had a free gift of love for his son. And it's the same thing today. Josiah talked about a relationship with God. Some of you may believe that there is a God, But what we're talking about is knowing God, an intimate relationship with him. I want to ask you, do you have that in your life? Because whether it's being a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, a friend, being a single, no matter what it is, you cannot do it alone. You need the power of Jesus in your life. This love that we're talking about makes life worth living. And no matter what your past, no matter where you've been, God is, is, is sitting there waiting for you to come home.